You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. Let's get into our buys and sells. I want to start with one of my favorite buys this week, and that's Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I'm not sure that the concern that JT does not want to be a cold anymore is there at the moment. I can't believe I'm putting like this much stock into an Instagram story. Okay, but the fact that he posted him himself working out in the Colts facility with the Colts logo like clearly displayed up on the wall there, you know, and him captioning it with loading kind of tells me that he just wants to play. And it seems like he's going to play out this season as a Colt. Um, But he should be back in week five. He'll take this backfield over. Zach Moss, a running back who has never been fantasy relevant for his three-year career prior to the season, he's been awesome for fantasy. He's been averaging the fifth most expected fantasy points per game based on his opportunity. Deion Jackson ranked sixth, okay, in week one in expected points per game based on his week one opportunity with Anthony Richardson. And now JT is only going to take things to another level when he's back. And, w- and you know, when you consider that Moss has the eighth most yards before contact per attempt among the 37 running backs who had at least 25 carries so far this year, that tells you that JT is going to be able to take advantage of some space that the offensive line is apparently creating here. So in week one with Anthony Richardson, the Colts played at the third fastest pace uh, in the NFL. Okay, that's what you want. This is an underrated aspect for fantasy. Like, more plays mean more fantasy points. Deion Jackson, in week one, hit a 17% target share according to fantasy life utilization from Anthony Richardson. So, fast-paced offense, number one. Anthony Richardson looking better than I thought he would early. Him willing to check it down if he has to. All reasons why I'm back in. Okay, so if you're in need of a high-end running back, I'm doing what I can to get JT. Okay, Am I willing to trade like a Puka Nakua for JT? If I really need a running back, I'll do it. Okay. Maybe a Tank Dell and Alexander Madison combo for JT. Tutu Atwell, you know, who have, they have Cooper Cup coming back soon. Him and DeAndre Swift for JT. A James Conner and Nico Collins combination for JT. Just try it. I don't know if it's going to work. You can try it. Amari Cooper had a big week this week. You know, maybe him for JT straight up. See, see if you can get away with that. Maybe sprinkle a little Isaiah Pacheco, you know, if you have Amari Cooper and you're trying to get JT. Um, you know, just remember, you're trying to satisfy a 0-3 JT manager or maybe a 1-2 JT manager with guys that they can plug into their lineup this week. Okay, so you want to analyze their lineup. You want to set their lineup in your head with the guys that you would send them for JT. So improve their week four chances of winning for real, and you might be able to get a deal done. Yeah, I think this is like an obvious call. And it's really easy, you know, to say a guy's coming off IR, which where which is where he's been these past few weeks, and say, yeah, you can buy him now because he hasn't done a whole lot of production. But this one, this situation is just, you know, locked in at this point. If Zach Moss is dominating this backfield, that means there's nobody else that you have to worry about really taking snaps from Jonathan Taylor once he comes back. And like you mentioned, Anthony Richardson, he's looked good. The offense is moving. You know, they're not running things slow. So that's only going to help Jonathan Taylor. I thought this would be a tough situation where the Colts suddenly aren't scoring a lot of touchdowns and the offense is struggling against feet underneath it, but they've already had two quarterbacks under center in both games. They've looked pretty good on offense, at least good enough to get it done from a fantasy perspective. Zach Moss was getting targets <laughs> in this backfield, which is hilarious because he hasn't been a pass catching running back in his career. He has at least three targets in each game, and that's not a whole lot, but when you're also getting 
18, 30 in the past two weeks rushing attempts, you know, that's going to be plenty to get it done. And Jonathan Taylor is going to step right into that role. So obviously the ceiling is very high. We're looking at hopefully Jonathan Taylor from 2021, not what we saw last year in 2022, but there's a lot more contributing to that than there was in 2021. I like Jonathan Taylor moving forward. And there is still that chance, you know, he could be traded. But like you mentioned, that IG story, it is interesting that he. it looks like he's going to be staying with the Colts. Even if he would get traded, I don't think there's a situation where he would go somewhere and suddenly not get enough work unless he was traded to like the 49ers, which isn't going to happen. So even if he doesn't play the rest of the season with the Colts, as long as he's healthy, I'm not worried about him. He even has a chance to appreciate, depending on how things shake out, if there would be a trade. But the situation that he's stepping into right now in Indianapolis is very good because not only they're not just relying on the run game to get things done, they're also moving the ball in the air. Michael Pittman, too, you know, he looks like he's going to be a solid fantasy receiver. Just overall, this Colts offense has been a surprise and a pleasant one at that. And Jonathan Taylor coming back is only going to make it that much better. So I think he is going to help the Colts offense just as much as the rest of the Colts offense being good is going to help Jonathan Taylor. I think this is a really good call here. I love it, man. All right. So who's your who's your buy that you want to talk about first? Yeah, I, I got another running back here. And you will probably agree with this because you're a Jets fan, but I'm going to go with Brees Hall. Now, he's slowly watching his workload get increased, but nobody's noticing that because they can't take their eyes off the Zach Wilson tailspin going on right now. And I say tailspin because Jets, planes, you know, it's good analogy right there. But what's it going to do when the quarterback situation is a mess on any team, not just the Jets? We know it's a mess and it's helping everybody else, all, all of their values to go down. What's it going to do? It's going to drive the price way down on every other asset in the offense, and that's what's happening in New York. Not only Garrett Wilson, but also Brees Hall. The great thing about Brees Hall is he's still not producing at a startable level, but I bet he will. So you can take advantage of that right now. If he's not producing at a startable level, chances are his fantasy manager is very, very frustrated, and he's ready to move him. I don't know how much longer the Zach Wilson project is going to continue, and I don't know. I don't think you really know that either. But it looks like he's getting one more shot under center, even with Trevor Simeon signing with the team yesterday. The buy window is so wide open with Brees Hall, as long as Wilson's a starter. And that might not be much longer. So you might want to get on this trade as soon as you can. He saw his snaps jump from 32% and 33% in weeks one and two to 48% in week three. And his route participation is up from 19% to 28% in that same, same time span. He's only going to get healthier. He's got two back-to-back weak losing performances, like I mentioned before. Who's going to want to hold on to that, especially with the way the Jets' offense is looking right now? I think eventually we're going to see a quarterback change. That's going to be good news for everybody involved in New York. Swoop in and rescue him like a prisoner of war, Brees Hall, and just wait for that changing (laughs) of the mantle at quarterback. Hall's stock is going to explode, especially as he gets healthier. He's played back-to-back games against two tough run defenses, and that trend's going to continue this week with the Chiefs on tap. They've been kind of sneaky in terms of a low point score uh, points allowed, but the schedule gets better down the stretch. I'm willing to bet that the Jets will look much more competitive than they do right now in a couple weeks, assuming the quarterback change happens. I'm willing to buy into that, especially at a super low price, which you can get Hall at right now because he, he's been terrible so far. But the usage is moving in a direction that we were hoping to see, and that's going to help ease any worry you have about him, especially at a low price if you go get him. Yeah, the big thing for me is the fact that, you know, Dalvin Cook had almost 50% of the rushing attempts in week one. He had the same amount of rushing attempts in week two. And then in week three, Brees Hall had 57% of the rushing attempts with Michael Carter, who did have some rushing attempts in week two. It was a little bit of a share there, uh, like a timeshare between three guys. 
he had no attempts in week three. Okay, so Brees Hall is taking over this backfield. Like, and, and oh, yeah. Zach, Zach mentioned all of it, but the rushing attempts is really something that I'm looking at. I'm like saying, okay, well, this he is the guy. He is the 1A in this backfield with Michael Carter getting kind of delegated or I guess that's, is that the word? I don't even know if that's the word, but he's moving out of his timeshare at this point. He, he's running some routes and that's fine, but Brees Hall is going to be that guy. There is no way that Brees Hall is only is only going to be running 28% route participation at this point. Like It's going to go up to like 60%, 65% at some point because he is that dude in the receiving game. He was like the most <laughs> efficient receiving back last season before he got hurt. Okay, so right. I, I'm, I'm definitely on board with this one, man. Now, I have a wide receiver that I want to buy here, and I'm kind of buying high on him, and that's Jacoby Myers. Jimmy G is in the concussion protocol, so maybe we wait a week, but he should be on your radar. He's wide receiver five in fantasy points per game right now, but he's also wide receiver six in expected fantasy points per game. So he's not necessarily overproducing on the opportunity, right? He's doing what good players do with the opportunity that they're given. The target distribution in two games with both Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers has been extremely tight. It's so tight. So tight. Okay, so if I'm looking at Fantasy Life Utilization Report in weeks one and two, when these guys play together, they had a combined. No, I'm sorry, not week one and two, week one and three. Right. Jacoby Myers missed week two. They had a combined 73 percent target share in each of those weeks. Okay, that's absolutely insane. And that's exactly what you want to see. Right. We don't want those targets to be widely distributed. Okay, 38 percent target share for Jacoby in week one, 27 percent in week two. This is not new for Myers, right? He's always been somebody, we talked about this before, that he's always demanded a high tar- target share. 22% last year in a dysfunctional offense, 24% target share in 2021, 23% in 2020. Okay, the track record is there. And it looks like he can pick a, take a big step forward this year, potentially. Not something that I saw coming, but we know that he's a good player. He's been heavily prioritized by this Raiders offense. And even if the offense stinks, this type of tight target distribution, it just blossoms fantasy points. Yes, we love tight fantasy tight. Uh, target shares. That's exactly what we lo- love to see. But yeah, with Jacoby Myers, we talked about this. I think we talked about this last season. Obviously, no one was really in on Jacoby Myers last season because he was on the Patriots offense. You know, it wasn't looking like it was going to be very good, but he's always had that target share throughout his career. And what we're seeing this year, and going back to your point about not expecting seeing this coming, this chance to take a big step forward is a fantasy relevant wide receiver that's, you know, top 20 looking right now, uh, uh, working alongside of Devontae Adams, who's usually the guy that's, you know, hogging all the targets. So definitely Jacoby Myers is a good call and a buy here. Um, he's produced very well. The targets have been there. Jimmy G is going, there's a chance he's out this week. So I just pay attention to that. If he's out, it'll probably be either Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell. If there's a quiet game in there, there's a chance that his value could go down a little bit and make him an even better buy after this week. But there's nothing wrong with buying right now. Like you mentioned, you don't have to buy everybody low at this point. As long as Jimmy G is at quarterback and I'm expecting him to be back, you know, soon, you know, it's just a concussion. Like this is going to be a fancy relevant wide receiver room. Both of these guys can get it done. Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers. And you're in. It's a really good, pleasant surprise that you had if you drafted Jacoby Myers late. He wasn't going very high at all in drafts. So right now, I think that moving forward, we're looking at a solid fantasy floor each week. Now, obviously, Devontae Adams is the ceiling play here. You know, going into um, week four, 
and beyond. But Jacoby Myers, he's going to be relevant. They're not just going to phase him out of the offense. It looks like Hunter Renfro, not even an option here. They haven't been targeting tight ends at all in Las Vegas. Like you mentioned, that tight target distribution, that's exactly what you want to see. And that's kind of reminds It's been three guys. It's actually been just yeah. three guys who's getting like 95% of the, of the targets, which is insane, right? It's yeah. Devonta Adams, Jacoby Myers, and Josh Jacobs, who's still a buy, right. by the way. Okay, we talked about mm-hmm. him last week, though. Um, the, but yeah, like it's those three guys, and that's it. Yeah, the, that's exactly the what you want to see. Yeah, the usage is still there 100% for all these guys. And like you mentioned with Josh Jacobs, definitely a buy, too. But Jacoby Myers, I, I love it. This is exactly what I like, what I wanted to see. You know, I think he's going to have a solid enough workload moving forward for him to be in lineups, not not only just like on teams, but in lineups, you know, going forward. And I have another buy. Now, my guy, it's another New York team. He's a tight end. It's Darren Waller. Rule number one of the Giants offense, there's no such thing as a fantasy relevant wide receiver. And this is held true through the first three weeks of the season. Isaiah Hodgins has the highest weekly fantasy finish of any Giants wide receiver as a wide receiver 32 in week two. And that's where Darren Waller comes in. I've been seeing a lot of people panicking on Waller. They're like, Ask, I'm asking the hard question right now about whether it was worth it to take Darren Waller as high as I did, you know, in drafts. Like, that's what people are saying. I've seen a couple of people on Twitter saying that. Like, it's week three, guys. <laughs> like, let's cool it a little bit. Two of his matchups were against the 49ers and the Cowboys. One of them was in the pouring rain. In the one fair weather game he played this year against the Cardinals, granted, he finished as a tight end four on the week. He's also got a hold of a 20% target share, 28% air yard share. Both of those are going to get it done at tight end in today's fantasy football landscape. I mean, he's second in the NFL among tight ends in total air yards and a share, which is higher than Hawkinson and Kittle. And his production hasn't come close to matching that utilization. So it's going to start trending towards the mean. When the utilization is there, the production will follow over time. The schedule from here for the Giants is a lot better. They have Seattle and Miami on tap in the next two weeks. That's a far cry from what they've seen these first three weeks. If you're sitting with anyone besides Kelsey, Andrews, Hawkinson, Kittle, I'd say even Laporta right now, he's in that upper echelon because he's getting those targets regardless. I'm looking to upgrade at tight end for cheap, and you can do that with Waller. I mean, the stigma around the Giants offense is heavy, and you can take advantage of it. It looks like Waller's having a horrific season. People are obviously panicking on Darren Waller. Like I mentioned, I've had a bunch of people throwing offers around. I've gotten questions asking if they should move Waller. If you're Looking for a tight end with a chance to blow up, I would go with Darren Waller because the Giants offense is going to look better moving forward when they have better matchups and they have that coming. So Darren Waller is a guy that I'm looking to buy, especially if I'm sitting there with a tight end that isn't really doing a whole lot. Chances are you had some upside guy. If I have like an Evan Ingram, I would consider moving for Darren Waller because I think Darren Waller still has that top five upside. He just hasn't showed it yet these first three weeks. That makes me feel a lot better, Zach, because I... (laughs) Uh, I have Darren Waller in a lot of places. Uh, he hasn't come through for me, uh, but I'm hoping that moving forward, he does. But thanks for making me feel better, though. I appreciate that. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 